Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm Paula Thomas, the founder of Let's Talk Loyalty. Today's show is hosted by my colleague, Amanda Cromhout, the founder of Truth, an international loyalty consultancy firm based in Cape Town, South Africa. If you work in loyalty marketing, make sure to join Let's Talk Loyalty every Tuesday, every Wednesday, and every Thursday to learn the latest ideas from loyalty experts around the world. Just before we share today's episode, I want to ask you to sign up to the Let's Talk Loyalty email newsletter. Our email newsletter is by far the best way for us to keep you up to date with all of the latest incredible loyalty stories we're sharing each week. It's also the easiest place for you to find our show notes with links to everything mentioned in all of the episodes. You can sign up at letstalkloyalty.com. Today's Let's Talk Loyalty interview is an interview with a difference. I talked to Phil Shelper. He's the CEO of Loyalty Andrew Ward Co. and the author of Loyalty Programs, The Complete Guide, which has just released its second edition. The difference with today's interview with Phil Shelper is we actually discuss two loyalty books. We compare Loyalty Programs, The Complete Guide and my book, Blind Loyalty. What we immediately understood was out of adversity came the release of these two loyalty books. Phil released the first version of Loyalty Programs, The Complete Guide straight after COVID in 2020. And I released Blind Loyalty this year after very serious personal health issues, both of which gave us time to reflect and to write these books. Given Phil's high education in consumer psychology, you can imagine he has absolute focus on the consumer throughout his book. I hope you enjoy this short interaction where I interview Phil and Phil Shelper interviews me about our books, Loyalty Programs, The Complete Guide and Blind Loyalty. So today I have a slightly different interview with a very special gentleman who I can't wait to talk to. We're going to actually discuss two incredible loyalty reads, two incredible loyalty books that are in the market as we speak. So Phil Shelper, welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty. Phil is the CEO of Loyalty and Reward Co. Hi, Phil. Hi, Amanda. Great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. And as I say, we're going to have a slightly different format for Let's Talk Loyalty today. It's not just going to be um, me hosting a heap of questions. We're actually going to compare the two books. So I'll get into the books in a little while. But, you know, the the famous first question of Let's Talk Loyalty. So, Phil, what's your favorite loyalty program? Yeah, it's a great question. I've got to be honest. I don't know if I even have one. Um, I tend to frequent loyalty program industries that have efficient rewards where uh, the, the company is able to deliver lots of value for not much cost to them. So airline programs, cinema programs, uh, hotel programs, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, all of the the ladies in, in my team love the cosmetics programs with all the free samples and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, if I if I had to say one program, I'd probably say the Waldorf Astoria uh, in wow. New York, um, wow. which 
you can't even really call it a program. It's probably more a pure engagement uh, program. Uh, they use clienteling software in order to identify the likes and needs of, of their guests and tailor the whole experience around them. So what flowers they like, their favourite coffee and, and cocktail, the types of sheets that they like, the newspaper they read. So when they come and stay, everything is perfectly tailored to uh, uh, to what uh, is uh, is their greatest needs, um, including being provided with a, a concierge uh, to help plan their trip and wow. and make sure that it's extra special. That's uh, incredible. I, I, most companies don't. Yeah, most companies can't really uh, rise to that level, but I think all companies should definitely try. That's incredible. And you know, I think you know, in the chapter 100 of Blind Loyalty, I did an exercise for Let's Talk Loyalty over what is this million dollar question that we ask at the start of the interview that Paula started many, many months ago in January 2022. And we've got a list of the top 100, but Waldorf Astoria certainly doesn't feature. So that's a new one we can add to the list. And as you say, like they're managing to achieve the personalization levels that most brands just aspire to. So I can't wait to understand that more. Thank you. That's a new one for probably virtually everyone listening to this. Love that. That's one of the reasons I think Paula introduced this question. So we get to hear about new and amazing loyalty initiatives. Great. So thanks, Phil. So before we get into like the real heart of why we're chatting today, you've created an incredible company, Loyalty and Reward Co., I'd be absolutely wrong to say you're based, I know you're physically based in Australia, but I think in a moment, I'm going to ask you to tell us more about the global loyalty consultancy of Loyalty and Reward Co. But before we do that, how did you get to where you are so in depth in the loyalty industry? Yeah, I actually started my career in loyalty at Vodafone. Uh, I was there for eight years, mostly in marketing, and I spent some time in the loyalty and retention team. That led to me getting a role at Qantas Frequent Flyer. Uh, I was there for four years working on program design and got to launch some really uh, amazing new products and initiatives. And when I left there, I actually got contacted by a consultancy who was working with LL Airlines in Israel. They wanted some subject matter expertise on on loyalty programs. And uh, I worked with them and LL Airlines for a year, uh, providing them with remote consulting support. Uh, they would provide me with a list of questions they wanted answers to. I'd prepare prepare a presentation and then um, have a, a workshop every two weeks and, and just did that for 12 months. And uh, I thought, wow, I think there's actually a company in that and I built Loyalty and Wardco uh, out of that uh, single uh, project. Uh, I then was very, very fortunate in picking up some major brands um, early on uh, in, in my career and and uh, built built the company forward. Uh, based on that. Uh, I think the main thing that I saw was there was a lot of people who were working in the loyalty industry, but there weren't many people who were joining lots and lots of loyalty programs and really seeing what was going on all around the world. And so I just started joining lots of loyalty programs and and writing about them and and building out case studies and and use that to, to build up my expertise. And I was also, I also did a double major in psychology at university and uh, really loved the idea of uh, consumer psychology being woven into mm. loyalty program design. So I spent a lot of time researching uh, loyalty psychology as well and went from there. You're the second person I've interviewed actually on Let's Talk Loyalty who's been educated to like the highest level in psychology. And it's amazing how it is such an important 
input into consumer psychology and obviously loyalty programs. So I know it's a real passion of yours and we'll I'm sure we'll get into that in a moment when we talk about the book. So great. Well, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. So you actually are one of the um, individuals who is true true to the core, a loyalty person from when you started your career, because some of the individuals we interview have had some super interesting and off the beaten track uh, journeys to loyalty, but yours was loyalty from the start. So fantastic. So Phil, tell us a little bit about Loyalty and Reward Co. I mean, I don't I, I don't think the listeners of Let's Talk Loyalty need too much introduction because you're not just based in Australia. You are a global company now. Tell us a little bit about the country, where you are at Countrywise so that the listeners can understand that and a little bit of what you do for your clients. Yeah, so Loyalty and Reward Co. designed the world's best loyalty programs for the world's best brands. We're <laughs> based in New York, London, Sydney and Melbourne. Uh, but we've got projects all around the world. So we've got active projects at the moment in uh, Latin America, the US, uh, Europe, the UK, uh, Saudi Arabia, and of course, Australia and New Zealand. Uh, So we really try to be uh, as global as we can. And as you just mentioned, we've invested heavily in our expansion to to the US and the UK uh, over uh, the past 12 months, and it's already paying dividends. Uh, we've picked up a number of really good quality uh, clients over there, and uh, we're really excited uh, about our global future. Yeah, amazing. Fantastic. Well, congratulations on your recent uh, office opening in New York. That's very exciting. And I'm sure the listeners, I know this, um, the audience of Let's Talk Loyalty is very US-centric as well as global, but um, I'm sure they'll be excited to hear about that. All right. So, Phil, the real purpose of our discussion today is to compare two fantastic loyalty reads. I'm going to say that with no bias, no no humility whatsoever. (laughs) So you and I have um, both been discussing recently with lots of loyalty professionals, the two separate books that we have both um, published into the industry. Now, yours is your second edition, and I'm going to unpack that in a moment. But for the listeners today, what we are doing is comparing the vast difference of Blind Loyalty, 101 Loyalty Concepts Radically Simplified, which is a book that I've released and Paula has interviewed me previously on Loyalty TV about it. And then Phil's second edition of Loyalty Programs, The Complete Guide. So it's been in the market a lot longer with its first edition, but the second edition is also recently released. And we're both excited to discuss this with you because they are so different. They can offer so much to any loyalty professional in different ways. So before I get into that, having written one edition myself, I'm absolutely in awe of the fact that you've released your second edition because I know how much work it is. So tell us a little about your history of writing the book in the first place. Uh, When was that first edition? And yeah, how have you got as far as you've got with it so far? Yeah, so I, I probably similar to yourself, uh, Amanda, I was always astonished about the fact that no one uh, has ever written a book telling people everything they need to know about loyalty programs. So if we look at when loyalty programs date back to you, you're talking 1850s New York, uh, where we, we see concrete evidence of, of the first uh, loyalty program. Uh, and yet we're in, uh, you know, the the 2000s and th- there wasn't a book that existed. So when I started my career in, in loyalty, I was always looking for how can I educate myself about, about this industry? And 
and there, there just wasn't anything out there. Uh, so I determined to be the person that was going to write that book. Um, it was we, we were building up uh, within Lawton and Wardco a lot of material and a lot of content that we could use, uh, but trying to find time to actually sit down and do it was always going to be a challenge. But then in March 2020, the whole world went into lockdown with the first uh, COVID outbreak. Uh, and if you remember at that time, the whole world stopped. Yeah. Uh, nothing was happening. Uh, everyone just said, wait, let's see what happens here. Uh, but also everyone started moving on to video calls as well and learning how to use Zoom and, and Google Meet and, and Teams. So it was a very, very interesting time that has changed the world forever. So at that time, I said to my team, right, well, we need something to do. So why don't we write that book that we've been talking about? So mm-hmm. we started writing it and we had an advanced draft of it done uh, in about four months. Um, and oh. then we went through the process of, of formatting and launching it. And, and that was the first edition. Uh, which uh, we, we thought was a pretty good effort. Uh, but as soon as we'd launched it, we came across all of this additional information that we wanted to include. Uh, so we thought, well, okay, we're going to have to write a second edition soon, soon and probably a third edition. So why don't we plan to do a second edition in two years? But last year was was a bit crazy for us. So we, we tried this year. Um, at the start of this year, we sat down and said, right, why don't we just make some small changes to it? We'll update some of the case studies and maybe adjust uh, a few things here and there, but we'll, we'll keep it pretty similar, but we can say we've launched the second edition. And then, of course, we got started on it and we absolutely went to town. So the second edition's got 25% more pages. Uh, uh, we've in- increased the number of case studies from 150 to 170. We've added two new chapters and completely rewritten another two or three chapters. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty good. But even now having launched it in October, I've already got a long list of additional <laughs> things that I want to add. So we've already started planning uh, the third edition. And I think this is something that we should be discussing uh, as part of uh, our, our conversation now is just how fast the loyalty industry moves. Yeah. So you can get a book out and as soon as you've got that book out, it's already starting to date because so much is happening so quickly uh, that you really do need to uh, – doing regular uh, edition updates to, to keep it as fresh as possible. Definitely. I mean, the minute I pressed, I signed the the authority for blind loyalty to go to the printers, the second I signed that, it was out of date. So you kind of accept that. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, you've, you've answered the question, I think, around my what I love. I love asking someone like yourself because everyone asks me this question. Like what inspired you to write it? So I think um, unless I've missed anything, what you said was actually because you've always wanted that perfect handbook to just have it all together in one place. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. And I, I even use it myself. So I've got a copy of it on the desk. I, I, for the most part, have forgotten a lot of what's in the book itself. Uh, so when I'm uh, creating strategic documents for clients or writing a blog article or whatever, I just use it as a reference guide uh, yeah. in order to uh, uh, provide some additional con- content and and make sure that I'm getting all, all the facts right as well. So it's really good like that. Uh, I'd struggle to sit down and, and read it uh, cover to cover. You'd have to be a pretty big loyalty nerd to do that. Uh, but it's a, a, a great reference guide for uh, for people who are wanting uh, something to uh, dive in re- and go really, really deep on on particular subjects. That's for sure. 
Yeah. But uh, I'm also interested, Amanda, from you. What what inspired you uh, to uh, to write Blind Loyalty? Slightly differently, actually, Phil. So thank you for raising it. It is something I've I've talked about previously. It's a mixture of things. So um, a bit like you, I've always wanted to write a book because there's so much knowledge swirling around my head and the team and the consultancy business. And I just thought it'd be fantastic to put it in one place and hope it can be a useful tool for others. I think that was the original intention, but it was on my to-do list for a hundred years almost. (laughs) Obviously not quite that long. It was probably on my to-do list for about 10 years. Um, And 10 years ago, I didn't have enough insight to be able to do it effectively. But I never got round to it. And I think now I understand why I didn't get round to it, not because I procrastinated, because I wasn't ready and I couldn't see the reason for doing it. And I also joke often like who actually wants to read a loyalty book? (laughs) And I mean that with most respect towards your book or my own or other brilliant loyalty books out there. But um my thought process of actually formulating how the book was going to come together was when I was very sick. And I think, you know, and many people in the industry know and have been incredibly supportive that I was very, very sick last year on a three month out of work, couldn't lift my head off a pillow through a very traumatic eye disease. That in that moment when you have nothing to do but to think because you can't read, uh, you can listen, but you can't read or watch TV or anything, I did a lot of thinking and it came to me then how I wanted to write the book, um, which will compare the two structures of our books in a moment because they are so vastly different. Um, And it came to me then and then I had the courage to formulate it in my mind and hence the title of the book, Blind Loyalty, uh, the play on the word blind and blind loyalty. So very different circumstances, but yours obviously similar, like you came out of a very tragic time of covid um, and I came out of a very personally tragic time of um, a, an illness that helped me almost find the inspiration. So different but similar, I think, from what what I didn't know that about yeah. your COVID timing. So that was actually very interesting to hear. And, and don't you think it is interesting, right? Because um, without COVID, loyalty programs, a complete guide may never have been written. Uh, without uh, your yeah. Um, health issue, mm. blind loyalty may never have been written, right? So it's uh, adversity uh, can can be a very interesting thing in, in one's life. Very much so. And that's actually one of the biggest learnings for me personally. Very much great, great point there, Phil. Yeah, very much so. Out of adversity comes strength. So yeah, great. I love that. I love that. I think that might be the title of this chapter <laughs> of this of this podcast. So let's go, let's talk about the structure of the two books. I'll obviously be able to share with everyone the structure of Blind Loyalty. But as I say, I know it. yours is vastly different. And as you said, you have your book on your, your own desk. I have Blind Loyalty on my desk and I have your book on my desk as a reference as well. So talk the, talk the listeners through the structure of the book and how one would benefit from having it on the desk. Yeah, so we're we structured it into two parts. So the first part is everything related to theory, uh, the history of loyalty programs, uh, uh, psychology, rewards, um, uh, academic research. So we asked the question, do loyalty programs even work? Which I think is an important question that mm-hmm. anyone working in the loyalty industry should ask. Uh, and then the second part is focused on uh, loyalty program uh, design and implementation. So we take th- people through 
something that we refer to as our member engagement ecosystem, uh, which means uh, using a loyalty program in order to uh, build out a full digital transformation across the company. So implementing the loyalty program, uh, collecting first and zero party data, structuring that data in order to be able to generate reporting and, and relevant insights through analysis, uh, building out a good quality lifecycle management strategy through loyalty marketing uh, and forming that into a full omni-channel uh, personalization strategy. Uh, everything around technology, uh, everything around security and fraud, uh, the future of, of loyalty programs, all that sort of stuff. So a lot of theory, but also a lot of uh, practical application there and and lots and lots of case studies so that when we put forward some, some theory or an insight, it's then illustrated with how a, a loyalty program uh, around the world is actually uh, applying that in a real world setting. Yeah, 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 wonderful. And so thorough, like just through and through, you know, just cover front cover to back cover. It's definitely, uh, as I said, like last week, I, I think I said to you when we were chatting previously, I needed to um, check a fact about something that I knew I hadn't gone into that level of detail and I reached for your book and, you know, could find the chapter that I needed to just double check my thinking or add a lovely another case study that I could reference your book for. So, so yeah, thank you. It's, it's very, very thorough. Um, I think it's probably fair then I, I'd give the same comparison to, to comparison yeah. or con, contrast. <laughs> yeah, that would be great because you're, you're obviously uh, structured in, in a very different way. So I'm very keen to, yeah, to, um, yeah, hear about the, how you structured the book, but also the inspiration for structuring that way, I think is, would be really interesting also. Yes, and they're both relevant. So, so blind loyalty for everyone listening is very different in the sense that it's 101 chapters, which might sound utterly terrifying, but it's 101 chapters of two pages a chapter. So I've structured it from almost start to finish of the thinking process of creating and building and launching and running a loyalty program. So the first, there are five sections, so to speak, within within which there are 101 chapters in totality. So the first section is around strategy and data, so not dissimilar to yours. The second one is around designing a loyalty program. The third area is industry excellence. So we really showcase some of the great loyalty industries. The fourth one then is launching and managing a loyalty program. And the fifth section is my concluding thoughts. And 101 chapters, the two pages, literally are two pages. I didn't allow one word further. Um, I've got some great contributors to the to the book, which um, I, we can share because I know you have as well. We can share those in a moment. But my principle around the 101 chapters of two page soundbites, but solid soundbites, it's not surface, surface level insight, it's in-depth detail is so that you can pick up the book, check in the contents page, find the piece you're trying to understand deeply. It might be emotional loyalty, it might be retention, it might be KPIs, it might be choosing your tech partner, whatever it is, and read two pages on it. And there's obviously references if I've quoted other amazing professionals or companies around the world where you can go and find out more. A lot of Let's Talk Loyalty shows are referenced as really great insights as well. So so yeah, it is very different and more of a soundbite approach. So um, I kind of in my own mind thought, you know, most of us these days, certainly 
the way I work. I prefer short, sharp um, insights and also to simplify. So Truth, our business is, is focused on, I call you know, radical simplification. So trying to take this complex world of loyalty because it is complex and make it simpler for, for everyone. So it's different, but I'm not saying, I, I think they both have an absolute, and I, I, it's because they're so different, I believe <laughs> shamelessly, every loyalty professional should have both on the desk because I think you can get absolutely this different insights and different learnings from both of them, even if it's around the same subject matter. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, the thing that uh, that blew me away about um, blind loyalty is just how those 101 uh, um, different um, themes uh, for each chapter, uh, it's just so comprehensive. Like it literally covers absolutely everything. There is not a single thing that you have not uh, included as part of that. It's the, the comprehensiveness of it is 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 quite uh, astonishing. Yeah, well, thank thank you. But interestingly, I'll disagree with you because the minute you launch it, you know you're out of date, right? As we said right at the start. And I think um, one of the things I know we want to talk about is, you know, is there a place for books in the world of AI? And I think AI has kind of like become the newest buzzword. I don't think, I think I mentioned it once or twice in the book, not in any detail. So like you, I can already see different additions that are required but okay so i mentioned external contributors because they're quite a big part of blind loyalty but i do know for for yourself for um, the complete guide loyalty programs complete guide you've also got external contributors and i know personally that was a very rewarding process so i'm going to go straight to the question of what did you actually learn from working with external contributors yeah, so I've got a, a combination. So I had uh, um, three staff members, so uh, Stacey, Scott, and Ryan, um, uh, each uh, contribute entire chapters um, as part of the book, which was amazing because they've got uh, expertise in different areas uh, that, that was really useful. Uh, but then, as, as you've mentioned, uh, we had uh, Michael Smith, uh, and uh, Lincoln Hunter um, also uh, contribute. I, I think for me, the main thing is just a recognition that uh, I don't know everything and there's uh, experts out there uh, in, in uh, particular fields who know way more than I do. Uh, so being able to draw on those people and get them involved uh, in contributing to the book uh, gave me a sense that it was going to be a lot better than if I had tried to uh, tackle it on my own. Uh, Michael is uh, really the, the leading security and fraud loyalty person on the planet. Uh, so to have him uh, involved in, uh, in in writing the, the security and fraud chapter was just exceptional. I, I think it's one of my favourite chapters on the book, reading all of the different ways that uh, fraud and, and security hacks have, have in, infected uh, the industry and they only seem to be getting bigger and worse and, and more frequent. Uh, so, uh, really I, I hope that, uh, anyone in the loyalty industry reads that chapter and, and takes it to heart and puts in as many, uh, preventative measures mm -hmm. as they possibly can, uh, to avoid being the next major loyalty program that is hacked in front page news. Yeah. And then of course, uh, uh Lincoln is, the, one of the leading, uh, loyalty, uh, legal experts, uh, on the planet. Uh, I first met Lincoln when I was at Qantas Frequent Flyer. He was general counsel there, and then he left uh, in order to start up uh, his own practice, uh, which specialises in providing legal advice to, to major 
uh, uh, major loyalty companies and uh, does an incredible job. That chapter in particular was very, very tough to write because uh, law is so jurisdiction and country specific. So we could really only focus on what what Lincoln was prepared to uh, include, which was primarily around uh, Australian law, uh, but trying to make it as general uh, to the world as possible. I think we got a really great balance there. He's never happy with it. uh, So... Every time I talk with him, he talks about how it could be improved. Uh, but from my perspective, I just did a, a wonderful job there. And once again, there's no way I could have written that chapter uh, with, without his uh, support. Uh, so it's, it's yeah. uh, definitely uh, made for uh, a, a much better book as a result. And what about yourself, Amanda? Because you've got some really great contributors uh, in your book. I, I think you kind of uh, f- followed the same approach. Yeah, so I... I particularly wanted contributors exactly as yourself where I'm definitely not an expert and um so and but then I had quite a few contributors to the industry excellence sector so if I was talking about um grocery retail I, I, I spoke to a young lady Melissa who's head of marketing at a grocery retailer or CEO of ebucks or the former CEO of ebucks Johan Mulman to talk about financial retail banking, they having walked away with the best uh, long-term international loyalty program or in telco or airline and so forth. But I think the two chapters that stand out the most for me in terms of where I absolutely wouldn't have made any decent effort of unpacking it properly were liability. So we had Len Laguno, who's the founder and managing partner of Kiros, he spoke through liability. He's been on Let's Talk Loyalty, talking to Paula as well about loyalty liability. He really is, in my opinion, world's expert in it and just broke it down into its component parts. And it's a real, you know, it's one of those subjects that all the you know financial teams and business leaders are worried about as soon as you start talking about loyalty. And then the area that probably interests me personally the most, just because of my airline background as well, was from Evert de Boer, who's the managing partner on Point Loyalty, and he spoke around, you know, the some parts of financial uh, frequent flyer programs, how they're worth so much more than the actual airline valuation. So that was, and that's such a hot topic all the time, particularly as we know post COVID, with how the carriers have really made their loyalty programs standalone profit centers. And that there's just so many others that um, I've learned so much more from, and some of them are very good friends in the industry, and they they gladly offer their insight. And I think it makes more interesting reading rather than just being myself, um, and because they can bring in different case studies and so forth. So that's what I particularly enjoyed about the components, the component parts of blind loyalty is getting so many different contributors together. So yeah, so I think Phil. I've got a couple of other um, questions I'd like to bring together, bring this discussion to a close with, but um, you've referenced how um, individuals have this on, or you have it on your desk. Um, Yeah, is there anything else you want to really say about what you want people to get out out of your book, out of Loyalty Programs, The Complete Guide? Yeah, look, I think for me, the main thing is be inspired by the possibilities of what a best practice loyalty program can be and what it can do. There's way too many boring, vanilla, uh, badly designed loyalty programs out there. Uh, So many programs where 
consumers are invited to uh, join up and then all that really happens is they just get starting, start getting smashed with um, email after email, uh, programs where consumers just don't get any real value um, out of it and so they disengage. Uh, so uh, hopefully that you know, loyalty professionals around the world pick up the book uh, and read it and think about the fact that their program could be so much better and, and uh, are not only inspired to improve the program or to implement a, a best practice program, but they've now got the knowledge uh, at their fingertips to be able to construct a, a reasonable argument to senior management as to why it is the right thing to do as, as a formal strategy. Yeah. That would be great. I think, as you said, like um, fraud, you're, you're the area on fraud, the chapter on fraud. I mean, I've just come out of a three-day workshop with a client last week, and I would say over 50% of the discussion, even if the discussion was around the tech, tech processing or the sign-on process and call center role and, and so on, was around safeguarding against fraud. So absolutely, if people can at least get that out of picking up your book, that's a fantastic start for everyone. That's right. And what about yourself? Brutally, I it's obviously very similar to yourself, but also um, it's a very personal read. And I think that's because of how your question you asked me around how it came about. Um, it's not a commercial it's not a commercial enterprise for myself or truth. So 100 percent of the profits go to the Blind Loyalty Trust. The Blind Loyalty Trust is to help individuals who may be going through or went have gone through what I went through, this terrifying eye problems, to get the care that they need. And we're already able to help a lot of um, individuals in that way because the loyalty industry has supported us so incredibly. So there are quite a few chapters that refer back to uh, like that side of life, like how loyalty programs can play a role in helping others, my own personal journey of blind loyalty to two individuals who doesn't matter if they had a loyalty program or not, I'd never changed my loyalty to them in the professional field. So from that point of view, I think in individuals who want a very professional educational loyalty read, as you said, there's 101 chapters and I would say one or two of them really give you a deep insight into how um, how blind loyalty versus a loyalty program works uh, from a psychology point of view, you know, you, exactly your starting point. So, yeah, it's it's very much for me. I want people to enjoy the book. Um, I want them to pick it up, feel great that they've bought it because it, it contributes also to a higher purpose um, and know that we're changing people's lives through the profits of the book. So it is a bit of a, not a double-edged sword in a negative sense. There's a double strategy with it. It's educational for loyalty professionals, but also it supports the trust. So it's obviously a very personal mission. And anyone who's followed, anyone who um, listens to me knows I kind of talk about it a lot. It's very important for the industry. So, but I think one of the things I wanted to us to conclude on today was, have we completely and utterly wasted our time writing a loyalty book? If you think about it, in the world of AI, um, and Antavo have just launched their their loyalty AI, little genius AI, I think it's called, and actually blind loyalty feeds into the back of that. Like in a world of AI, is there even a place for a book? Is there even have we completely wasted our time? <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, look, I I, I think that there's still uh, plenty of room uh, for books in the world. Um, the thing about uh, AI and the way that it works at the moment is it's really 
uh, serving up an answer based on probability. So what you ask uh, will 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 influence the answer that you get. And if you ask a different question, the same question in a different way, uh, you'll get a different answer. Um, it, it doesn't uh, provide the, the 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 real depth of uh, what what you might be uh, looking for. Uh, and there's uh, at the moment, uh, a lot of the AI engines are also uh, demonstrating hallucinations, which means that the answer that it provides may or may not be true. Uh, so I think people need to be a little bit wary in terms of uh, having a play with AI. It's certainly very, very useful. And in fact, we even uh, used it ourselves to help us uh, construct um, some of the new chapters of the book. And, and that, that worked incredibly well for us. Uh, but uh, there's nothing like picking up a book and, and really diving into the detail and learning everything you can about a subject. And I think that's where uh, mm. the uh, the book still has uh, a long way to go. In addition to um, understanding the, the right questions to ask, I mean, the thing about loyalty is it's so ridiculously complicated uh, and it seems to just get more and more complicated each year. Sometimes I just have to stop and take a breath and just marvel at, at how uh, overly complicated uh, the uh, the whole industry is. Um, yeah. So without actually having a, a base understanding of, of how the whole thing works, how would you even know what questions to ask an, an AI engine? You'd only really yeah. ever get um, surface level detail, which wouldn't be nearly sufficient uh, to uh, operate a best practice program. Yeah, very much so. Interestingly, I picked up a post on LinkedIn from Matt Sutton, who's the CMO of the Black Tux. He was speaking with Phil Rubin and Dave David Slavik at the Loyalty Summit recently. And he says, I'm going to quote it word for word. He says, despite being buzzword of the year, AI is remarkably practical and useful if you look at it as a tactic or a delivery mechanism, not as a strategy. Combine it, combine it with great creative that has authenticity, candor, and humor, and you've got something really special. And I thought that was magic. It's almost the science and soul on its own. It's just not enough. Um, but combined with other elements of thought processes or marketing strategy and so forth, it can certainly add value, but on its own, it's not enough. So that's just a confirm yeah. what you said around AI has a place, but thank goodness it's not going to replace the books that are either digital books or hard or soft copy books that are available. So Phil, will you write another book? Uh, absolutely not. No way. Um, I have actually <laughs> written another book, uh, which was uh, uh, Blockchain Loyalty. So I got absolutely fascinated by uh, companies in, nine, in 2017 and 2018 who had uh, developed um, cryptocurrency-based loyalty programs and raised very large amounts of money, like 10 to 12 million US mm -hmm. um, through initial coin offerings. And uh, I wrote a first edition and then the following year wrote the second edition out once again because that industry moves e even faster than, than loyalty yeah. does. Um, uh, so rather than write the third edition of that, which I just literally don't have the bandwidth for, uh, we actually retired the, those books um, uh, earlier this year and we replaced that with uh, a full chapter on blockchain and Web3 um, in the second edition of Loyalty Programs, A Complete Guide. Yeah. So uh, our, our ambition is to uh, write um, the third edition and the fourth edition and the fifth edition 
uh, every uh, two to three years in order to uh, keep the book uh, up to date and uh, make sure that um, any new trends that we spot are, are incorporated. Uh, uh, but writing something else, um, probably not at this stage. Um, ask me that again when I'm 90 and I might might be <laughs> partway through my memoirs, but I've had a very uninteresting life, so I don't think it would make for very good reading. Uh, I'm sure that last point's not correct. What about yourself, Amanda? <laughs> I just don't think that last point would be correct, that you've had an uninteresting life. Anyone who's achieved what you've done, which is a global consultancy and the release of a couple of books, doesn't sound that uninteresting yeah. to me. Um, I'm unlikely to, um, I may release updated editions of Blind Loyalty, but it's not, I don't have a strategy like yourself to definitely do it every couple of years. Um, I feel, that, but I may well do so, I'm not sure. But there is another thought process on the horizon that, that um, like you started out, of adversity comes strength, you know. So um, often when I sign sign a book for someone I say out of blindness comes vision and some great things have come out of this terrible illness I went through in terms of the trust and the people I've met along the way and the generosity of amazing human beings supporting it and the lives we can change through the trust so that is potentially on the horizon but it's way too premature because we've only just started the trust and the real beauty of that only kicks in once we've being able to help individuals and and see the change, you know. So it's unlikely I'll write another loyalty book, but very much so might be talking the story of um just how how any individual in the world, any one of our listeners for Let's Talk Loyalty, anyone in the whole world, if you really want to, you can change the life of others through really little small small actions and if so many listeners of let's talk loyalty have been part of the blind loyalty story for which i'm incredibly grateful so um it doesn't matter whether you founded blind loyalty trust or whether you're contributing to the trust or any other trust if you're doing that sort of thing you're changing the life of others which i think it all makes more sense now i've you know when you do you combine that with your professional life or the professional life seems to make more sense so Possibly there'll be another story around that, but probably not another loyalty book. But yeah, interesting time. So that's been an amazing comparison of the two books. I'm really grateful. I think it's only fair to close off with where can individuals buy your book, Phil? Where is it available? Yes. So uh, listeners can buy loyalty programs, the complete guide and blind loyalty on Amazon <laughs> and at all leading bookstores. Uh, please buy a copy. And if you do buy a copy, uh, please provide uh, myself and Amanda with a five-star review <laughs> and we'll love you forever. <laughs> shameless, shameless, but I love it. Okay, that's amazing. So thank you very much, Phil, for um, supporting not only your own book, but obviously the launch into the industry to help everybody, but also supporting the work I've done. I'm really grateful. So anything else you'd like to say to the audience of Let's Talk Loyalty, Phil? Uh, no, that's everything for me. Thank you for hosting, uh, Amanda. And uh, I look forward to reading the second edition of Blind Loyalty. Yeah, that's the motivation. <laughs> great. Well, thank you for sharing the insights because I know a lot of people are talking about your book. So it'll be great for them to hear more about it and compare the two. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Thanks for being on Let's Talk Loyalty. Thanks, Amanda. so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like us to send you the latest shows each week, 
simply sign up for the Let's Talk Loyalty newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and we'll send our best episodes straight to your inbox. And don't forget that you can follow Let's Talk Loyalty on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And of course, we'd love for you to share your feedback and reviews. Thanks again for supporting the show.